Me and Becky had a little chat this morning about that awkward hug you do as you pass the preach mic across and how should we do it best. Well, we thought it was funny anyway. Good morning, everyone. Um, before I start with what I'd like to say to you, I just thought it'd be nice to give you a little update on Paul. For those who don't know, Paul's my husband. He's senior pastor here. He's currently in Rwanda. He's probably preaching there right now at one of their five churches. We've got some photographs so just before Paul preached at the leaders' conference that he went to, this is what happened. It was quite epic because he sent me a video of it. I'm sure he'll tell you more next week, but there's a couple of photos of Paul as well speaking at the conference. Charles was obviously finding it extremely funny, whatever he was doing. Um, but he's just asked me to send his love and to say hello to you and says that he misses you and to just say he's having a great time. He's had a great time at the conference. He feels really refreshed and blessed that he's gone and been able to be a part of it. Um, this morning he's preaching, like I say, at one of their five churches at a community called Kayonza, which is actually the community that he went to in 2000. 2002 when he got saved over in Africa so it's a real blessing for him to go back to that community but then to be preaching at the church there as well I think is a bit mind-blowing and humbling for him as well um, this next week he will go and look at some of their community projects the work that they're doing with the children um, and things that they do for the local communities as well so he's looking forward to that and I'm sure he'll tell you all about it next week um, when he comes back. I will just give you a little warning. He is preaching next week, so I would bring your crash helmets because he is going to be full of it. Um, so I'm sure he'll have an awful lot to say. But I just thought you'd like, you'd like to hear a little update. For those of you who are on social media, he is occasionally posting things on there. So, yeah. Okay, as Becky said, we're carrying on our Lord's Prayer series. We've had a couple of weeks off from the Lord's Prayer. We had Mother's Day and we had our baptisms. Um, and I'm picking up again with forgiveness. So let's just have a look and refresh ourselves with Matthew 6. And we're going to do 9 to 15 today. And it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Sorry, I added a bit in there. I just thought it's really interesting that the Lord's Prayer sort of concludes but then before it goes on to the next section it adds a little bit extra before it goes on to the next part and it adds that little bit extra about forgiveness so Jesus is obviously really trying to emphasize something to us about forgiveness when he shares the Lord's prayer and how we should put things together in our lives and the things that we should do and I just thought those verses 14 and 15 that you see there where he talks about, you know, you've got to forgive other people so you can accept that forgiveness from God. And we'll go into that a little bit later. But I just think it's so important that we catch hold of this this morning. It's not just another line of the Lord's Prayer. It's not just another verse that we find in the Bible. Jesus is really trying to hammer something home so we catch hold of it. And hopefully this morning I can help explain that. And hopefully then... It can be life transforming for you too, as I know it's been for me, as I've learned and I'm still learning to forgive. 
And you might sit there and say, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what those people did to me. You don't know what circumstances I face. You don't know what God allowed to happen in my life. You don't know what I've done to somebody else, actually, and I can't forgive myself for. You don't know. No, I don't. But I know that there's a God who knows. And I know that he understands. And I know that he offers a way out from where you find yourself. And all that you can hear is forgiveness this morning, is knocking and saying, let me in. Where there's guilt, where there's anger, where there's fear, where there's sadness, where there's frustration, where there's heartache. Forgiveness is knocking this morning and wants to set you free and break those chains and remove that past that has got a hold on you so that you can live a full and healthy and happy life where the past no longer holds you down, where people no longer have a hold upon you or where you no longer have a hold of others where you can't forgive them. God wants to set you free today. And if you're sitting there cringing in your seat then try and bear with me because I'm hoping what I'm going to say is going to help remove that and allow forgiveness to come in and change your life. And you know, it's really hard when we talk about forgiveness because if you're carrying on forgiveness in your life, then very often there's a lot of anger and guilt and frustration and very big, loud emotions there with it. But let's try and look at it from a different angle and see if this helps as we journey through. And I've heard this many times, but I think this is quite amazing. There's been psych psychological studies that have been done about letting go, letting go of grudges and bitterness. And, that they can, and if you do that, it can actually make you happier, healthier, and more at peace. And this is the list of things that psychologists in America did this big study on forgiveness. And this is the list of things that they noticed in people who readily forgave as opposed to those who didn't. This is the difference that they found in those that forgave. That they have healthier relationships. And you know, we always have to remember when it comes to relationships that our relationship with God hinges on a relationship with other people. And if we can grasp a hold of that and wonder sometimes, well, why can't I get any closer with God? Why can't, there's something not right. Check your relationships with other people. Check if you're right with them. Check if there's forgiveness there. Check if there's love there. Even if it's not coming from their side, but from your side, because your relationship with God hinges on them. So going back to this. So this is what they say. There are healthier relationships, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, it's a mouthful, isn't it? We want some of that. Less anxiety, stress, fewer symptoms of depression and hostility. It's good. Improved health in the forms of a stronger immune system, a healthier heart and lower blood pressure. I think we all need some of that sometimes, don't we? And also higher self-esteem. So forgiveness, according to studies, it's not just me making it up to try and convince you to let forgiveness into your life where it's not perhaps been. According to studies that have been done by people who have got things from universities that make them important and special, forgiveness does you good. 
And do you know what? I can only stand here and testify this morning that forgiveness has done me good. And there have been times where it's been through gritted teeth because I really didn't want to. But it has done me good and changed my life and changed my relationships and helped me to move forward. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. I love this quote by William Blake. It says, the glory of Christianity is to conquer by forgiveness. If we conquer circumstances by forgiveness, if we conquer things that have happened to us that want to bring sadness or depression or anxiety into our lives, if we conquer those things by forgiveness, then it will glorify God and it will point people to Jesus. And you may stand here this morning and say, well, I don't really know what I think about this Christian lark. I've just come along with my friend. Do you know what? Regardless of where you stand with Jesus, if you choose to bring forgiveness into your life, it will bring peace. It will bring wholeness. It will bring satisfaction in a way that you've never known. And then if you choose to go on that journey with Jesus as well, then it just puts the icing and the cherry on the cake. And you know, forgiveness is all about Jesus. Primarily, we go back to the cross, that Jesus died on the cross to take on our sins so that we could be forgiven. It's about what he did at the cross. It's about how he saved us and how that then should overflow through us into our relationships, into everything that goes on in our lives because of what Jesus first did. We forgive because we have been forgiven. And I don't know about you, but I needed some serious forgiveness when I finally surrendered my life fully to God. And I think forgiveness does these three things, and there are many more. But forgiveness glorifies God, because there's no way generally we would do it on our own merit, unless we were really, really, really nice people. And I'm sure some of you are really, really, really nice people, but I'm not particularly. So I needed God to help me to forgive. So it glorifies God because I couldn't have done it alone. It's a witness to his goodness in my life and then through me to other people. And it's also an evangelistic tool. It's a way of sharing that God loves people. And I've got an amazing example to share with you this morning of some missionaries in South America, of how you'll see those three things are true. And Baz, have you got the photo? This is Elizabeth and Jim Elliott, and they were missionaries in South America. And the best way I can describe it is to read from their own words. And these are the words of Elizabeth Elliot. And she says this, I went to Ecuador. Jim Elliot, whom I'd met at Wheaton, also entered tribal areas with the Quechua Indians. In 1953, we were married in the city of Quito and continued to work together. Jim had always hoped to have the opportunity to enter the territory of an unreached tribe. The Orca were in that category, a fierce group whom no one had succeeded in meeting without being killed. After the discovery of the whereabouts of this tribe, Jim and the four other missionaries entered Orca territory. After a friendly contact with three of the tribe, they were speared to death. Our daughter Valerie was 10 months old when Jim was killed. I, that's Elizabeth, continued working with the Quechua Indians when... Through a remarkable providence, I met two Orca women who lived with me for one year. 
They were the key to my going to live with the tribe that had killed the five missionaries. I remained there for two years. So this amazing woman met a husband while they were both on missionary work. Her husband was murdered as he tried to outreach to a tribe that had never been reached before. And then through providence and one thing after another, which you would say would be, is that God? Made a way for her to go and minister to the tribe that had actually killed her husband. I don't know, but to me, the forgiveness that she was able to show glorified God, was a witness to God's goodness, and was also an evangelistic tool to help bring some of that tribe to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Let me read you this quote by Jim Elliot, her husband who was murdered. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's one of those quotes that makes my brain sort of self-explode within itself. But I just think what he's trying to say is, you can't lose what you do for God's kingdom. Everything we try and do in this world, we try and put things in, we try and store up our riches and all our materialistic things and everything else. We try to store up our relationships, our friendships, our finances, everything we need to know that we are safe and secure. Yet if we store up our riches in heaven, if we store up within ourselves riches of forgiveness, of kindness, of repentance, then actually we cannot lose. There is no losing when you put yourself in with the kingdom of God and what God suggests that we then do to outlive our lives, i.e. forgive. And I believe that Jim's wife, Elizabeth, outworked that quote in ways that he was never able to. And he outworked that quote in a very different way. So you may be sitting there and thinking, well, I get what you're saying. I see what you mean. But how do we get from a place where forgiveness shapes our lives, shapes our attitude, and shapes our behavior? I want to be at that place where I'm shaped by the forgiveness I have for people. Where when people do things that hurt me, when they say things that are unkind, when they look at you in a strange way, whatever goes on. At the minute, I'm dealing with a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old who are constantly, she did this, she did this, she did this, she won't share, she did this. I've come to the conclusion that goes like this. I don't say it like this to him, I say it in a very nice motherly way. Girls, you are both selfish. You need to both forgive one another, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what you want and who did this and who did this. All it is about and all it comes down to is I did not get my way of what I wanted. And so often with forgiveness, it's about the fact that we didn't get our way. We didn't get what we wanted. Sometimes it's the fact that somebody has encroached upon your life and done you some damage, which is a whole different ball game and has got its whole different struggles with it. But when it comes down to the fact of, I want my way, or whether it comes down to the fact of somebody has come in and hurt you, or whether it comes down to the fact that you've hurt somebody else, or you've hurt yourself and you can't let go of that and forgive yourself, or you can't forgive God for what he's allowed to happen as you see it. It all comes down to the same avenue to get out from where we are. And that avenue is forgiveness. 
And I think there are four things that can help us on that journey so our lives are shaped by forgiveness, so that our lives then give glory to God, so that our lives are a witness to his goodness, and so that our lives are an evangelistic tool. I want to be like that. I don't know about you, but I want to be like that. But I just get in my own way sometimes. I need to sort myself out, get out of my own way, and let God just move through me. And the way to do that is allow the Spirit of God in to choose to forgive and to move forward. So I've got four things very quickly for you this morning about forgiveness that I hope will help you to then move forward and allow forgiveness in. Because it's still there and it's still knocking this morning and wants to come into your heart and life. The first one is this. Forgiveness is an expense that's already been paid. You know, sometimes when you go to a wedding or a party and it's an open bar, isn't it? Have you ever been to one of those? I find them really confusing because you go to the bar and you just have this urge that you should pay because that's what you normally do if you buy a drink from somewhere. Yet it's already being paid for whoever's hosting the party or the wedding who's normally standing at the end watching what everyone's getting and thinking, oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, there are consequences to our actions. There are consequences in this world to things that we do. And we have to face up to those. But ultimately, and foundationally, Forgiveness is an expense that's already been paid and all you have to do is ask. If there's an open bar, all you have to do is go to the bar and ask for what you want and it will be given to you. Forgiveness is already, it's been paid, your sins, your debts, they've been paid on the cross. Let go, ask for forgiveness. Don't think, well, I don't deserve it. I'm too naughty to ask for forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you have done, how dark a place you find yourself. Jesus has paid the price for you and the bar is open and forgiveness is running free this morning. And I want to encourage you, your debt is paid. All you need to do is ask. Ask. 1 John 1 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, if we ask, if we say, God, I've done this wrong and I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, and we repent with an honest and a truthful heart, then forgiveness will come and wash you clean because Jesus died on the cross for you. The key is repentance. God paid a high price to be reconciled with us. And he asks us to do the same. He asks us to pay that price of coming to him and saying, I'm sorry. And it's a high price. Sorry is a hard word to say sometimes, especially when we think we're right. I remember being in a relationship before I met Paul. I was engaged to be married And the relationship broke down. It wasn't very pleasant. And at the time, I thought, well, it wasn't all my fault particularly. There were other aspects that went on that were nothing to do with me. And so I felt quite hard done by and quite stabbed in the back and wasn't very happy about it. And 
I prayed and I kept praying and I was trying to keep my heart right and I found it so very difficult. And then I got to a point where I was praying one day and I really felt impressed upon me to go and say sorry to this guy. And I was like, well, I've done it wrong. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't do anything. And it just felt so impressed to go and apologize just for the part that I had played. It takes two to tango, right? Now, I might have not done the treading on the feet, but I was still part of the tango. So this morning, you might have had your feet trodden on when you were tangoing with somebody, but you were still tangoing. I think it's a bit of an occupational hazard with that dance, but that might be just if you're married to Paul. He's not here. (laughs) Can't tell me off. You know... And I went and I said, look, I I just feel like I just want to say I'm sorry um, for anything that's gone on, anything that I've done within this. And, you know, I just felt I needed to. And the look of shock and horror on this gentleman's face. And and then he was sort of like, "Well, well, I'm sorry, too. And it opened a door. For, for, for forgiveness to be communicated. It opened a door for me to be released from what I was holding on to, to be released from the hurt and the pain and the anger and the upset. I was released from it because I apologized too for the things that I had done. And so often when you hurt, you don't see the role that you play too. And sometimes my mum and dad always used to use this phrase, well, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. Well, it's fine if you're a baker, isn't it, and you get what they're on about, but it just means it's both your faults. And it's so easy to blame other people. And when we're angry and we're upset, there's such strong and hot and big emotions that we don't always see the part that we've played in it. This morning, ask for forgiveness for what you've done. Ask for forgiveness. Swallow your pride and consider what part have I played in this too? And actually, if I look to change, if I ask for forgiveness, then that could actually lead away for something amazing to happen. So practically, what do you do? Talk to somebody. Go and ask somebody to forgive you if you need to. Get your phone out now, I really don't mind, and send them a text and say, I'm really sorry about what I said last night, it was out of order. And it doesn't matter whether they started it or not. Keep a clean slate. Keep a short account of the things that you do. And swallow your pride. Don't sit and wait. I'm terrible if I fall out with Paul, which isn't very often, and it's normally all my fault. But I don't like to tell him that, so he's not here, so he doesn't know. Don't listen online, Paul. I'm terrible for thinking, I'm not going to say sorry. And he's so good because he's like, I'm really sorry about that. And it makes me even more angry. I'm even more angry now because you've apologized. It was my fault. Keep a clean slate. Be willing to say sorry. And I think as Brits, we're great at saying sorry, aren't we? We walk past someone, they bump into us and we say sorry. We sit down and someone else was like five minutes away from sitting on that chair, but we know they wanted it. And we say, oh, sorry. Did you want to sit there? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that your place in the queue? Oh, no, you were there first. You said, oh, no, you stand in front of me. We're like obsessed with saying sorry over things that we don't even need to be sorry for. And yet when it comes to saying sorry for the things we should say sorry for, we become very stiff with upper lips. We're like, there's something top with us. 
keep yourself humble. Be willing to say sorry first because actually it could lead the way to somebody else to be set free to as they apologize to you. So how do we move forward? It's about being released from the past. It's about laying aside that guilt and pain. And it's about not bringing the regret into your future. Because when forgiveness knocks, then you ask for it to come in. So that's the first thing I want to say to you this morning. The second thing I want to say to you about forgiveness is this. Forgiveness shines a light in a dark place. And I've touched on this a little bit already, but I think this is a really, really big thing that we can have major issues with and that we struggle to then move on. And it's forgiving ourselves. So often there are things that go on that we do and, you know, maybe all, everything's been sorted out and we've moved on and we're no longer there, but we still struggle to let go of what we did at some point, of how we treated ourselves or how we treated someone else. And even if that relationship's been reconciled and everything's okay, we still struggle to let go of what we did at that point. And you know, guilt is a terrible, terrible thing. And it weighs you down and it whispers in your ear, and it reminds you, and it doesn't want you to have any fun or enjoy your life at all. It wants to make you miserable and unhappy for the rest of your life. So if you allow guilt to stay, instead of opening the door of forgiveness and allowing forgiveness to evict it out of your life, if you allow guilt to stay, then that place in your heart will stay dark. But if you allow forgiveness in, then it shines a light. And yes, it may bring it to the light, what's gone on. But in doing so, you're set free. And let me remind you, these are some characters from in the Bible. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab's in the line of Jesus Christ. And she was a prostitute. David, again in the line of Jesus Christ, was an adultery. Jacob again in the line of Jesus Christ, was a thief and a liar. Moses, who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, saw amazing miracles, was a murderer. Peter, who stood with Jesus, who headed up the early church, he denied all of his friends and he ran away when they needed him. Paul, who took on the early church to a whole nother level and brought it into Europe, was a mass murderer and incited hatred. And Cain, who we see in Genesis, killed his brother. All these people in the Bible, some of which you look at and say, wow, I would love to be like Moses. I would love to be like Peter. I would love to be like Paul. And yet when you look at them, the things that went on in their lives... But God shone a light on that dark place within them and forgiveness set them free. They knew the power of forgiveness. They knew the power of letting go and then letting God in to help them to move forward and do something new and fresh. So practically, what, we do, what do we do? Ask someone to help you. Be accountable about what's going on in your life. 
You know, for some of you need to write it down on a piece of paper once and for all, screw it up and literally throw it in the bin or set it on fire in a very safe place where no one's going to get hurt. But you can do that too. That works. And just make the point of this has had a grip on me for far too long and it is not going to hold me anymore. Guilt, you let go and let forgiveness to come in and wash you clean. So how do we move forward? Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God will use all those things for good. Those things that have dragged you down, those things that you've carried for years, stop letting it be a detriment to your life and let it become an asset. So you can now be set free from it, but then you can help and guide other people into their future and into health. When I was about, I don't know, about six or seven, my elder sister, Ruth, she had a best friend, Claire, and she would often come and play. And you know when it's the summer and you have like a glass to drink out of and my mum had obviously done us all some juice and put some ice cubes in which made her like, wow. She always had ice cubes. My girls were like, mum, there's no ice cubes. I'm like, oh, I'm such a terrible mother. I need to forgive myself and let go of the guilt. But my, friend, my, my sister's friend Claire, she drank all her drink and you know when your ice cube gets stuck in the bottom of your glass? Is that just me? Do you know what I mean? It gets, you know, you're tipping it and it's like, I could do with one of them lizard tongs to get it, it's not coming. And as a child, you want to eat the ice cube and, chunk, and chew it up in your mouth. So I thought I'd be really helpful. I loved my sister's friend. She was like a second big sister to me. So I thought, I know what to do. I'll give it a whack. And it smashed. And it cut all the mouth. Oh, and I can still imagine the feeling now. That feeling of guilt that I had when I did it. Because I really didn't mean to do it. And that's often when guilt gets a stronger grip. When we really didn't mean to do it. It wasn't our intention, but it still happened. I st- oh, I could still feel the feeling I had. And it was a horrible feeling because oh, I didn't want to. And she was bleeding and it was bad. And I can remember running away and hiding. You know, sometimes we've just got to accept it's okay. It's okay. You know, she survived. Everything was intact. She probably can't even remember it if I ever said anything to her about it. Sometimes it's hard to let go of those things because it's hard to let go of that feeling that keeps popping up and reminding us. But let me suggest this to you, and this is my next point. Forgiveness is without boundaries. And if forgiveness is without boundaries, it will go anywhere, into any emotion that you feel, into any place where something has happened to you, into any circumstance. Forgiveness is not afraid to go. There is not a boundary that it cannot cross. It is not interested. Forgiveness knows no boundaries. And so we have to accept that forgiveness. We have to allow it to come in. We have to no longer let those things that have happened to us or those things that we have done become boundaries for forgiveness to come into our life. We have to allow those boundaries to be broken down by the grace of God that forgiveness can come in. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The new is here. No matter what you were, no matter what went on, no matter where you found yourself, no matter what somebody did to you, no matter what, it can be gone. And a newness can come if you will allow God in to bring that forgiveness. The new is here if you choose to allow it to be there. You know... You're never too far from God to ask for his forgiveness. God will hear you anywhere and from any place. Daniel played, prayed from the lion's den. Peter prayed when he was on the water and then when he started drowning in the water when he tried to walk to Jesus. Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale and God heard their prayers. There is no lion's den that you can find yourself in. There is no pit that you can be in. There is no depth that you can drown to that God will not hear your cry for forgiveness. So practically, what do we do? How do we allow this forgiveness to come in and break these boundaries down? Remind yourself. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy. Yesterday, we went on a walk with Paul's mum, who's recently had a hip replacement. And we decided to go quite a long walk. And she kept saying, I'm fine. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. And she kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we got so far, and we got to the pub at the bottom at the console from the visitor's car park. If any of you know it, it's a little bit of a way. We got down there, and I'm like, whew, I'm shattered now. And she says, oh, me too. I said, shall I go and get the car and come and fetch you? Oh, yes, please. And as we walked back up, Olivia and myself, Grace was at a party. We walked back up the road as quick as we could. And I said to Olivia at one point, Olivia, when we get back to the car, will you just remind mummy to go back for Nanny Joan? Because I had this terrible feeling that I was just going to get in the car and just go home. We have to remind ourselves sometimes, remind yourself that you are forgiven. Remind yourself that the old is gone and the new has come. Tell it to get lost because it's no longer a part of your life. No matter what went on, no matter what the enemy tries to steal from you or plant in you, if Jesus said it is finished, he has cut it off and you can be free for your future. Remind yourself, get your Bible out, write some scriptures down that apply to you and remind yourself because otherwise other things will start knocking on your door again and guilt will creep back in and anger will creep back in. Don't allow them back in. Remind yourself. So how do we move forward? Do things you wouldn't have done before because you were so caught up. Have some fun. Enjoy your life. Be free. Laugh. Make a new relationship. Be brave. Rebuild. 
try again and be intentional about it. Think, I'm going to do this. I would never have dreamt of doing this before, but I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to put three things on my list that I'm going to do because God has set me free and I'm forgiven. And I think those practical things really help. And I'm running out of time very quickly, but I've got one more point for you this morning. Forgiveness liberates us to our future. If we forgive others, and that means forgiving God sometimes as well. Because sometimes we can be very angry with God for the lot that we get in life. Pride prevents us from forgiving. And unforgiveness imprisons us with bitterness and resentment. But if we realize that we can be free, that we can be free from all of those things, then we'll let forgiveness come in and change us. As a Christian, it's not about what has been done to you, but it's about what's been done for you through Jesus. And if, if we have been forgiven for everything that we have done, then no matter what has come at you, please... Let go and learn to forgive. Remind yourself, it's about what Jesus did for me, not about what's being done to me. And it could change your world. Andy Stanley says this, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. And don't it just sometimes? But in the shadow of the cross... Forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Just leave that one up for a bit, Baz. I think, to me, that sums it up. That I'm an undeserving soul that Jesus reached out to and he set me free. And he forgave me for the things that I'd done to others, for the things that I'd done to myself. And in doing so, he has liberated me to forgive those who've then hurt me. And we've all been hurt, haven't we? We've all been hurt. I'm sure you can all think of a time when somebody has hurt you and it's been hard to forgive them. Ephesians, 6, Ephesians 4 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You can either choose to empower the past or the people of the past. Or you can be liberated to your future. It's your choice this morning. What are you going to let be the strength in your life? What's been done to you? Or what's been done for you? You know, and as I said to you, I've had to learn to forgive relationships that I've had that have hurt me. Things that have happened in church life that have not been easy. Things that people have said that sometimes are true and sometimes aren't true, but they've hurt. I've had to learn to forgive. And this has been the scripture that has been my bedrock and has helped me through. And as I said earlier, sometimes I've had to do it through gritted teeth. Sometimes it's been, I really don't feel like forgiving. Well, do you know what? You won't because forgiveness is knocking. It's not already in there as a feeling, but it's knocking and it wants to come in. It wants to move those feelings out of you and come into you. So you'll never feel like forgiving. 
You can't say, well, I'll just wait till I feel like it. You will never. It won't happen. Because it's on the outside wanting to come in. And if you let it in, then the guilt and the pain and the hurt and the anger will all be washed away. Matthew 5 says this. You're familiar with the old written law. Love your friend and its unwritten companion. Hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. I love that. Respond with the energies of prayer. That's the last thing you feel like doing when you're having a hard time, isn't it? But when you're having a hard time, the Bible tells us to pray. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone. Regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others, the way God lives towards you. God lived towards us and gave his all. And he's asking us to change our natural perspective of what we would naturally do and to live as kingdom people. So practically, what do we do? Pray for your enemies. You know those people who make your lip curl? Pray for them. And don't pray they get beaten up. Pray things that you'd pray for yourself. I remember having a real struggle with somebody. And this would be my prayer. God, all of these things I'm asking for myself... I ask for them too. God, all of the things I want in my life, bring to their life too. Sometimes I really didn't want to do it. But I did it daily because I knew it would do me good. I knew it would produce change. I knew it would set me free and heal me so I could go into a new future. Let forgiveness flood your soul and let it overflow out of you in your behaviour. And it's not always easy. Sometimes we will get it wrong, but keep inviting it back in. Oh, I messed up then. I was trying and doing really well, and now I've messed up. Go back, start again, do the process again. Pray for those who hurt you. Bless your enemies. Buy them a cake. Whatever you'd like from the shop, buy it for them and say, oh, I've just got you this. And you might feel yourself wanting to give them a slap as you give it to them, but don't. Just give them something nice and know that you're doing something to help you grow and to help you change everything you would desire and want for yourself. Look to see that they have. So how do we move forward? We rebuild with forgiveness. And you know, be wise. Because sometimes if the forgiveness isn't coming from the other way, it doesn't always mean you've got to rebuild the relationship doesn't always mean you've got to go back to somewhere but you can still forgive 
and let go and move forward. Have some wisdom with it. And if you're not sure, speak to someone. Speak to your small group lead. Speak to your ministry lead. Speak to somebody and ask for some advice. I'm sorry, I've really gone over my time. I want to close with a quote. And just remind you of those three things I said at the beginning. Let's allow forgiveness in because it glorifies God. It's a witness of God's goodness and it's an evangelistic tool. This is a quote from Desmond Tutu. Because forgiveness is like this, a room can be dark because you have closed the windows, you've closed the curtains, but the sun is shining outside and the air is fresh outside. In order to get that fresh air, you have to get up and open the window and draw the curtains apart. Forgiveness is knocking this morning. It's up to you if you choose to let it in. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross. I thank you that he took all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and fear away. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would no longer focus on what has been done to us or by us, but we will focus upon what has been done for us in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that forgiveness is knocking this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we go to take communion now, you would minister to our hearts, that we would be set free and we'd be able to move on in Jesus' name. Amen.